0: Listening to Radio Ed,
1: a University of Denver podcast.
0: We're your hosts, Matt Meyer
1: and Emma Atkinson. It's Valentine's Day, a day for expressing love to those closest to you, especially romantic love. Now, what happens when you love someone, like love, love? Generally, but not always, you meet, attraction leads to interest, and interest leads to sex and commitment. And for many people, commitment means moving in together. Cohabitating is the more scientific term for it. That's what it means for me and my boyfriend. We've lived together for almost three years. So when I recently saw some research that suggests couples who live together before marriage are more likely to get divorced, my heart sank. Have my boyfriend and I doomed our marriage before it's even begun? If you just look at the numbers, research seems to suggest that, yeah, it may not be such a great idea to move in together before saying I do. But don't fret quite yet. An expert on marriage and relationships from the University of Denver says the numbers don't tell the whole story.
0: Uh, My name is Scott Stanley, and I'm a research professor at the University of Denver. And I specialize in uh, romantic relationships, marriage, family, and uh, what we can learn about how to help people succeed in their aspirations.
1: Stanley doesn't just study love and relationships. He uses his findings to actually work with real-life couples to improve their relationships.
0: I like thinking about how it works, how do you study how it works, and then what can you learn that's actually useful that you could teach somebody else that might inform their dating strategy or how their family life might go. We're really interested in getting findings, getting knowledge, and translating it into what could be useful for somebody else.
1: Anyway, back to the whole living together before marriage thing. Let's imagine a couple. They meet somewhere. It could be on Tinder or Hinge or even at a bar like in the olden days. And things are getting a little serious.
0: And they're hanging out with each other and they like each other or they seem to like each other. And there's certainly attraction. There's sexual attraction. there's There's something going on.
1: Now let's imagine that the couple has reached a turning point.
0: And maybe it's six months in and somebody's lease is up and there's sort of a process of like, uh, well, half my stuff's already here.
1: Or maybe one of them has to move across the country for a job, or someone's rent is being hiked an outrageous amount, relatable, and they can't afford their one bedroom anymore. And it becomes pretty obvious that the next step is moving in together. Stanley says this is where it can get tricky. This is the spot that can predict whether this couple will go the distance.
0: What's pretty common, if not more likely than not, is people move in together without sort of having a talk. (laughs) I mean, there's enough of a talk like, hey, my lease is up. Uh, That's why my stuff's showing up here. But it's not like, well, what does this mean? What are we doing? Do we have a future? Uh, I'm thinking marriage. Are you thinking marriage? You know, like people don't do that because, again, ambiguity and it's scary and you might get rejected. So it's like a finesse point. So we're living together now. Well, we're living together and we haven't figured out where we're headed together. That's a problem for a lot of people.
1: And once you're living together, you're a little stuck. And sometimes people can stay in relationships they really shouldn't be in, relationships they're not happy in, just because it's too much trouble to break up and move out. And that can lead to marriages that just don't work.
0: This point, this comes out of like, you know, a couple decades of research, um, it it's pretty obvious, and the data supports this, that maybe if you are going to move in together, you know, it's fine to wait until marriage. If, if this is a marriage thing, you know, couples that wait till marriage actually look pretty darn good on average. Uh, but who also looks pretty good is couples who only do that after they're already engaged. So what's that mean? And we predicted this a long time ago, and we just find it in study after study after study. You've already clarified what you're both thinking about the future before you made it harder to move on. That's like pretty obvious. It's not hard to actually even describe that to somebody. Maybe you shouldn't move in together before you know you're both thinking the same thing about what you want because you are making it harder to break up Uh, and you might discover this person's just really not even thinking the same way you are about where this is going. So that's like a great example of of all of what we do, because there's theory, there's like sort of an obvious sort of probably true point, which we've shown in study after study, and it immediately leads to like an actionable thing you can try to teach people to help them have better odds in succeeding in their romantic relationships.
1: Now, what do couples who are engaged or married have in common? They've both, for lack of a better term, DTR'd defined the relationship. They've committed to each other and their future together in a very real, almost tangible way. It's all about sliding versus deciding, as Stanley calls it. Are you sort of sliding into living together? Are you making the decision because it kind of makes sense without really getting into the nitty-gritty of what it means for you as a couple? Or are you deciding, having a serious sit-down talk, maybe multiple talks, about what you're both thinking about the future? Something that comes to mind when I think about this is it's It's actually less about being engaged or being married and more about the intentionality and decision-making that comes with those societal constructs, right?
0: Yeah, because they load a lot of valuable information. I mean, you can, you know, I respect that some people are just not doing those things. or There's some people that I'm never going to be married. I don't believe in marriage, you know, whatever. Um, And that's fine. You know, people can be a lot of different ways, but... If somebody is on that path, some of the things that are available to them are powerful symbols of clarity if they use them wisely uh, in terms of timing and sequence and intention.
1: The whole sliding versus deciding thing can get a little murky. People may think they're making a firm decision to live together without actually discussing what the choice means for their relationship down the road. Are they intending this to be a final step before engagement? Are they not sure about marriage, but wanting to live together until they figure it out?
0: One might actually be thinking, well, I want to marry this person, but I can't say it now. And the other might be thinking, there's no way I'm marrying this person. I'm not settling down for 20 years, but I'm not saying that because they're going to stop sleeping with me. Both have some motivation to maybe not be clear at a moment when actually it's not a good idea not to be clear. It's pretty important to be clear. The other big linchpin of that work is about the timing of clarity about commitment. So it's not just about clarity and decision-making and being intentional. But if you're looking for like, you're actually looking for like a mate, you're looking for a life partner, you're looking for a spouse, Um, is that clear or not? can you make it clear or not before you make it harder to break up? That's like the whole ball game there. Uh, If you wait till marriage, well, it's really clear. Okay. I think we mean to be married before like we live live together. Uh, If you wait till after you're engaged, it's really clear. I mean, engagement is like a lot of clarity about being on the same page. If that's what you both are into and are headed towards. So that's really protective, but moving in together, both by sliding and not really understanding if you're even on the same page about something related to commitment. Uh, It doesn't doom people on average, but that's absolutely a higher risk path. More people are not going to do well on that path than on the other paths because they made it harder to break up before they decided what they wanted to do.
1: Back to me and my relationship for a second, I wanted to ask Stanley as a relationship expert whether he thought my boyfriend and I had slid into living together or whether we'd made a sound intentional decision. So my partner and I, my boyfriend and I, prior to the pandemic, decided we're going to move in together. We had, yeah. we had a big talk. We said, yep, we see yeah. our futures together, you yeah. know, and, and I look back at that and I think, you know what? That was pretty good. That was pretty mature for two 22 year olds. And then we said, you know what? We see this going the distance, let's move in together. Let's do it. It was a big decision because otherwise he was going to move home to California. It was a big Yeah, because
0: people were looking for a place to hunker down, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. Well, this was
1: prior to the pandemic. And then the pandemic came. And my roommates weren't being very safe. We hadn't moved in together. Our lease was going to, we hadn't found a place yet. It was going to be next fall. My roommates weren't being very safe. His were being very safe. I said, I think I'm going to stay with you for a little while. And he was like, yep, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. And since then we have not, not lived together. Yeah. Which is like in its own kind of sliding, right?
0: So here's how I hear that. You had actually made... You were on the same page about the future before the shift. Right. Right. That's like a big part. That's one of the biggest. And then circumstances, you're, you're calling what actually, the way that that happened is sort of sliding. And this is relevant because circumstances sort of drove you. I mean, given the prior decision and where you two were headed, that made more sense, but you didn't like decide to do it that way. Right. And you just split apart the two points I made very, very nicely. So if you want to include this in the podcast, I mean, it's actually a really nice example, where that timing part you got just right, the process was still like pretty good, like you had actually talked and you knew, I mean, you can't believe how many people haven't done that. Mm. <laughs> and they're living together and they're having a baby and they still haven't like talked about whether there's a future. And that's <laughs> like that's that's pretty, it's not uncommon. I mean, it's actually pretty common that that's really the way things go. And then you got people that are really stuck. So uh, there's a lot of things that are sort of in... Sliding, maybe I should say this. Sliding is not always bad. Uh, And generally, Galena and I are both going to say, you know, if it's a big transition that's potentially constraining of your future options, uh, it's better to be making a decision. And it's best to be making a decision openly with this other person, you know, the DTR, the whole thing. Um, But having said that, a lot of people slide into a pretty great place uh so it's really a matter of odds you know what sort of improves somebody's odds there's a lot of people that actually are very happily long time married or whatever you know they're in a great relationship long lasting all the things they wanted and they like completely stumbled into it uh and it's more about like who their friend network was who they were around and you know they maybe weren't even gonna like Probably make much of a bad decision anyway because there weren't a lot of bad decisions right in front of them so a lot of people like slide into a perfectly fine place uh and some people make like really deliberate decisions and there's no guarantees it doesn't work out right you know it's it's it doesn't it's not what they thought so you can do everything right and not have something turn out right and we all see people that have done like everything sort of Wrong's too strong a word, but like unwisely, you're not in the best way. And like, things are great. So that can happen. So it's all about what you can do to shift your odds in the direction that you would like them to go. Where are the moments where you could slow down a little bit and think a little more clearly and not rush through something? Where are the moments where maybe this is time for a talk? Maybe I need to get a little more information. Maybe I need to ask some friends and family what they think, whatever. Where are those moments in recognizing uh, that this is a moment I want to think a little more clearly, maybe have a discussion, get some information, uh, and not just let something happen? That's going to generally, we think, improve somebody's odds, uh, but it doesn't guarantee success. It's just making it more likely.
1: Stanley says there's a lot that should go into making the decision to live with someone. It's not just about love, about attraction, but about making little and big sacrifices for the happiness of your partner. Basically, you want to watch for those red flags, things about our partners that we sometimes bury our heads into the sand and choose to ignore. Stanley shares a good example of one of these red flags he'd witnessed recently.
0: Before COVID, you know, I was flying a lot, you know, giving talks, different things. And I remember this one time I'm in the I'm in an airport. I think I'm on the way home, doesn't really matter. Um, I think I'm on the way back to Denver and it was uh, maybe an hour and a half layover. And I went to this, probably it was a pizza place. I like pizza pretty well, so I'm getting some food. And there was this couple sitting too close to me. And I only say too close to me because I could hear what they were talking about. I wasn't like trying to hear what they were talking about.
1: He wasn't even thinking of work or about relationships, but this couple, a man and a woman, was speaking pretty loudly. They were talking about the woman's clothes. She was dressed for summer, Stanley says, in a tank top and shorts. And she mentioned that she wanted to put on more clothes for her flight. Right? Who likes being cold on an airplane? But the guy, Stanley says, objected. He said he didn't want her to cover up.
0: The only thing I could think of is, all right, you like how she looks with less on, and you like the way you look being near her when she looks that way, so you don't want her to cover up more. I I couldn't figure out, like, what else, like... But is not like the perfect example of like, he won't give up the most ridiculous little thing he wants for what's good for you. Like you should be running. You You should know. She didn't know or she may not know. Hopefully she eventually figured it out. That's like a really bad sign. Like stuff like that. It's real information. And people should look for information that's not as much about romance, but it's about commitment if that's what they're seeking. You know, information about whether this person can actually do what's good for them. Not, all, you know, everybody gets selfish, but, you know, can they do that? Can they show care for you? That's really valuable information and you should look for it and not avoid seeing it.
1: So basically, if you're communicating clearly and honestly with your partner about what you both want in the short term and long term, plus prioritizing their well-being and happiness, your odds of a happy, successful relationship are much higher, even if you live together before marriage. One more thing to add, we'll have another Valentine's Day story posted on the DU Newsroom website today, all about commitment in queer relationships. Check it out. Thanks again to our guest, University of Denver professor Scott Stanley. For more information on his work and the sources used in this episode, check out our show notes at du.edu radioed. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, liking, and reviewing the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Tamara Chapman is our managing editor. Deborah Hosha is our production assistant. James Swearingen arranged our theme. I'm Emma Atkinson, and this is Radio Ed.